heaven's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, help me minister to these married people. Thank you, Spirit of God, for bringing conviction, conversion, compassion, and most of all, another level of commitment as I share your word. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders taking place in each relationship in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. And before I start the message, I just want to make sure that everyone received a ticket. Did you get a ticket that looks like this this morning? If you did not get a ticket, raise your hand. And it is one ticket per person. Okay, so that's two as a couple. So that that means today you got two chances. Keep your hands up and they're going to bring you one. Don't cheat and get more than one. Okay, and so what's going to happen is you're going to put your name on the back of your ticket and on the way out, there's a designated box you're going to put it in. And so every Sunday this month, if you physically come, you're going to get another ticket. And so that's going to, so really technically you're going to have, if you come four Sundays, you're going to have eight opportunities to win that $10,000 vacation. And here's the beautiful thing. You get to pick where you go. As long as it stays within my budget of $10,000. Praise the Lord for that, right? So keep your hands up. Ushers, if you all will, uh, will give those to them. And then once you have your ticket, you can put your hand down. Uh, uh, baby, did you get your ticket? You gave your ticket away. Oh, Lord. I'm going to keep my ticket, though. I'm going to put my name. I'm going to put my name on my ticket. Me and first lady, we could have a third honeymoon for this year. Praise the Lord. All right. So let me see. I have a couple more announcements here so that my staff is telling me I need to do. Um, the raffle tickets, I just mentioned that. Write your name on it. And then uh, there are five. Okay, so that's for the singles. Okay, so I'm good. Are you all ready for the word today? And I am excited to give it to you because the last time, last year, when I was sharing during this time, I was single. But now I'm happily married. Somebody praise the Lord for that. So y'all be like, Pastor Amy seemed real happy. I am. Amen. 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 First lady takes care of your pastor. I'll tell you that. So anyway, uh, before we get in the flesh, <laughs> let's start in the spirit, right? So I'm starting a new series uh, this month called Better Together. Everybody say Better Together. And the series has a twofold purpose. Of course, the first one is to minister specifically to this group, which is our married couples, and so that we can address some things in marriage and have a stronger and healthier, healthier relationship. And then the second reason for the series is to minister to our singles 
so that hopefully I can prepare them for future relationships and to have better and healthier relationships as well. And so if you are in this service, that means you are married. And if you're not married and you're single, uh, I'm going to ask you to stay over for the next service. And so if you're taking notes, the message title today matches our series title, which is We Are Better Together or Better Together. Look at your spouse and say, we're better together. Now, I know some of y'all said that by faith, but it's okay. It's okay. And the purpose of the message today is to show you from God's perspective, listen, church, that staying together is better than being apart. That's my goal. So I'm going to give you a public marriage announcement right now, which is this. It was easier to say I do than it is to stand on what you said you will do. So I have some ground rules for you, and then we're going to get into the lesson. Here's some ground rules. Number one, I need you as a married couple and individuals to listen to every message with only you in mind. And then I want you to actively ask yourself, am I presently doing what pastor is teaching? Number two, there's no elbowing, no hitting, nor striking, nor pushing, nor cussing to each other. Number three, no excessive expressions during the service. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Amen, Pastor! You don't ever say amen, but you say it in there. And then, no arguing or verbally embarrassing your spouse here or when you go home. Amen. So let's start in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And I'm reading this morning out of the, the God's will version of the Bible. Um, and so this is really the foundational verse that I want to use. And so I'm going to start reading here. It says, two people are better than one because together, say, we're better together. It says, because together they have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend, or I'm going to say, your spouse, get up. But how tragic it is for the one who is all alone when he falls. There's no one to help him or her get up. Again, everybody say again. Again, if two people lie down together, if married couples lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep warm? Though one person may be out overpowered by another, two people can resist one opponent. Uh, And then here's what it says. It says a triple braided rope or the King James says a... um, a threefold cord, it says, not easily, is not easily broken. So I'm going to read one more verse because my point in reading these verses is to help you and I see that actually you're better together. Everybody say, we're better together. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. It says, and the Lord God said, so God's talking here. This is his perspective. He says, it is not good that man should what? Be alone. And then he says, because of that, I'm going to make him a help me. So here's a thought and, uh, you know, that I want to express as we jump into the lesson. And this thought has intrigued me, uh, for a long time. And here's the thought. How is it that two believers who both have God's spirit in them, 
They have access to God's word. They have the faith that God put in them. They have the angels of God to help them on their assignment in marriage. Why is it that with two believers having all of that, we can't possibly still stay married to each other? Why can't the greater one that's on the inside, greater is he that is what? In us than he that is in the world. If that's the case, why can't the greater one in you keep you married? Look at your your spouse and say, I think he's talking to one of us. I had a hum over here. (laughs) Let me answer the question. Here's why. It's because your marital relationship will only be as successful as your biblical understanding of it. Watch this now. And your willingness to function in it. So here's point number one, because here's the thing. There are lots of different relationships in this room at different levels, at different stages and in different situations. But my goal today is to help us see God's perspective of why it's very valuable for us to stay together as couples. And so here's point number one, if you're taking notes, and it is the only way you and I are going to stay married and have a healthy relationship is either you're going to have a worldview of marriage or you're going to have the words view. Everybody say a worldview or the words view. Amen. Because listen, how you view determines what you do. Everybody say how you view determines what you do. See, the world's view says this. Well, I'm not happy in my marriage, so I just need to get a divorce and marry somebody else. That's the world's view. The worldview says, you know, if my spouse is not giving me enough sex or they're not giving me no enough attention or I'm not getting any love from her or him. And so what I'm just going to do, I'm just going to give me a side chick or I'm going to give me a side dude. Boy, it's quiet, ain't it? So your view of marriage determines how well you function in it. And if your view is that you started the marriage then you will always have the option to end it. I'm going to say that again. See, you can have a worldview or you can have the words view. And if you feel like you started the marriage, then you will always feel you have the option to end it. But if your view is that you believe that God started your marriage, then you will remain willing, listen, to adhere to his perspective to maintain it. Everybody say marriage starts with God. The New Living Translation of Matthew chapter 19, because see, most people think that their marriage started on the day they got married. But see, you didn't start your marriage. I know you may have married the person, but marriage doesn't start with you. Marriage starts with God. The New Living Translation of Matthew 19 says this. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Wow, what a question. I mean, listen, you see how broad that is? It's like, Jesus, she burns my toast. I need a divorce. Jesus, she can't cook. I want a divorce. Jesus, she don't rub my feet. I want a divorce. They said, for any reason. 
And then verse 4, he says, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, everybody say from the beginning. From the jump, God made them male and female. So if you married in here or you think you married and you are of the same sex, you're not married. In, amen. Amen. You playing house. That's what you're doing. Anyway, it says in verse 5, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart. Watch this. Read it with me. What God has joined together. Who joined them together? See, you just said I do. Watch this. And this is why it's better for us to be together because God joined us. And then it says, then why did Moses in the law that said that a man could give a his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They ask. Verse 8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only, everybody say only. Only as a concession to your hard hearts. But I want you to read this with me. But it was not what God had originally attended. Divorce is not what God originally designed. Say amen to that. Amen. amen. And, and then he says in verse 9, And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. So here's the question that I want to jump out. How does a couple go from being joined by God and then being divorced by man? How does that happen? If God joins you, how do you go from being joined by God, but then being divorced by man? It's, listen, because if the Lord and his ways, here's the answer to that. If the Lord and his ways are not first and foremost, then selfishness and the flesh will always get the best of the relationship. I'm going to say that again. If the Lord and his ways are not foremost, And first, in the relationship, then selfishness and the flesh will always get the best of the relationship. And I believe the biggest problem in relationships today, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, is that they have a commitment issue. Amen. A key to marital commitment, listen, is not the commitment to the person first, but it's each person's commitment to the Lord first. See, if you can't stay with the Lord consistently, you ain't going to be able to stay with your spouse consistently. Amen. Listen to the New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. Now, you may not understand the context and how it relates to commitment, but you'll see it. He says in verse 2, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they also are filled with an abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it from their own free will. Watch verse 8. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Watch verse 5. He says, they even did more than what we had hoped in terms of their giving. He says, for their first action, everybody say the first action. He said, their first action was to give themselves to who? To the Lord first. And then watch this. And I'm going to say it like this. And secondly, to us, just as God wanted them to do. I want you to notice now the context of this scripture 
is giving. But the principle that I want to pull out of it relates to commitment. But I'm going to be able to do that. Here, here's why. Because I can safely say that, watch this. If you're going to have a great relationship, you have to have a giving relationship. Say amen to that. And in verse 5, their giving was not to someone else first. Their giving was to the Lord first. And if you're going to have a strong commitment in your relationship, you have to be committed to the Lord first and then to your spouse. A successful marriage should not start with how much you love the person, but it should start with how much you have love and commitment toward the Lord. Because there may be days that your spouse doesn't make you happy. Well, what do you do? Do you walk out? No, because my commitment was not to them first. My commitment was to the Lord first. So here's a take-home statement. And this is a double, triple shot of karma macchiato from Starbucks. It is impossible to be committed to the flesh before you're first committed to the spirit. I'm going to say that again. It is impossible to be committed to the flesh before you're first committed to the spirit. You have to realize we are three-part being. We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in the body. And the spirit part of us is supposed to be the part that drives our life. And so, listen, a lot of people, their flesh is what's driving. And then the Bible says there's nothing good that can come from the flesh. See, God had a relationship with Adam before he gave Adam a wife. I'm going to say that again for all the men in the room. God had a relationship with Adam before he gave Adam a wife. So God's model for marriage from the beginning started, watch this now, with the creation of man and then him having a relationship with that man. So here's a take-home thought. When God is first, the marital relationship will last. But if the marital relationship is first, The marriage may not last or it will struggle severely. And this is why some of you are struggling. Uh Look at your spouse and say, he coming, here he comes, here he comes. Here he comes. I'm like Deion Sanders. Here we are, we're here. (laughs) This is why some of you are struggling in your relationship right now. You know why? Because God ain't first in you. You can point the finger all you want to, but what it boils down to is your relationship with God is struggling on the inside of you. And you cannot stay or be consistent with your relationship with your spouse if you and the Lord are struggling. So if God's view of marriage is permanent, let me ask you a question. Is God's view of marriage, is it permanent? Based on what we read. So if God's view of marriage is permanent and eternal, what then watch this. Then any other view that we might have of marriage is either temporary or corruptible. And when you have a temporary view of marriage, you will view marriage, uh, the, the whole relationship, uh, as a renter and not a buyer. How many have ever rented like an apartment or rented a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many have ever purchased a home, right? Well, if you have a renter's perspective and you're married, it sounds kind of like this. When you rent, there is no down payment. Only a security deposit makes sure you don't tear up the place. 
Oh, they might give you like, they might say, well, we want you to put a month's uh, uh, of rent down. But at the end of the day, see, when you buy a house, it's an investment because they ask you for a chunk of money that makes you be invested in that property. And so if you view marriage as a renter and there's no down payment, only a security deposit, you'll tear it up and be able to walk away as if nothing ever happened. Here's number two. If you act as a renter and you're married, renting is only for a set time because renting is temporary. Oh, I got a nine-month lease. Yeah. Are you in a nine-month relationship? See, when you don't see marriage as permanent and you view it as a renter, your thing is, well, I'm just waiting for my lease to be up. Look at your spouse and say, is your lease up yet? Is your lease up? Now look at them again and say, it better not be, it better not be. People who rent normally do not take care of the property because they are not invested. You ever rented a car? And you didn't care if you hit potholes. It didn't matter. Boom, 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 boom. It car could be dirty. You know, they gave you the car halfway clean. It ain't clean all the way. Halfway clean. And look, if it was your car, it would be cleaner than that. But it's a rented car. And you don't care because it ain't yours. When you view marriage as a renter, You normally don't take care of the property because you're not invested in it. And this is why, listen, as a man, you cannot view marriage as a renter because Ephesians 5.28 tells us, listen, it says, So ought men are to love their wives as their own bodies. Uh, He that loves his wife loves himself. You show me a man that don't love his wife right, it's because he don't love him right. He said, but no man ever hates his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord church. Listen, y'all see Pastor Evan, whether I'm in church or out of church, I'm going to look decently good now. I'm going to smell good. So you know I'm going to take care of first lady. How would it look if I'm looking good and first lady ain't looking good? Listen, that ain't her fault. That's my fault. Oh. Oh, 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 so you want to drive the better car. And she's struggling. She on Maypop tires. Not good year, Maypop. They may pop at any moment. That's what that means. That's what that means. Anyway, let me keep going because I don't have enough time. A renter, watch this. When you're renting, it requires no maintenance. Because renters always rely on somebody else to fix their problems. Oh, my sink is leaking. Oh, let me call downstairs. Let me call the office. They need to fix this. See, when you rent, you don't feel like it's your responsibility to resolve the problems. You feel like it's somebody else's or I can just walk away. You know why? Because you have a renter's mentality. Here's the last one. And then I'm going to get to point number two here. A renter has high expectations, 
but little to no commitments. In other words, they want the amenities of the relationship without the responsibilities of the relationship. You know, you, you rent, you know, you got an apartment, they got the nice swimming pool, they got a, like a weightlifting place and all that. Oh, they got the amenities. But if you view a marriage like that, what happens when the amenities minimize? So here's the question. How does a godly marriage take a negative turn for the worse? Look at your spouse and say, he need to tell me that. He need to tell me. Here's point number two. If we're taking, if you're taking notes or following the notes, you can't stay cleaved if you become deceived. Now I'm about to jump in this one with both feet right now. Both feet. Here's point number two again. You can't stay cleaved if you become deceived. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. Watch what God says. He said, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall do what church? Cleave to who? Cleave to his wife and they shall be what? One flesh. Everybody say you got to leave and cleave. But see, here's the thing. You will not properly cleave if you become deceived. Deception is real. And deception will cause you to believe something that ain't true. And the only way deception in a person's life who's in a relationship can happen is when they decide, watch this now, to believe a lie. Because that's what makes deception work. When you believe something that ain't true. As a matter of fact, deception is like wearing shades. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Excuse me while I wear these shades for right now just for example purposes see when you're deceived you see stuff that everybody don't see see right now everything looks golden it looks shaded and I can try to convince you that what I'm seeing, you see, but you don't see that because I'm deceived and you not. And that's what happens. The, the, the problem with, with deception is deception ain't deception unless you're deceived. So listen to First Timothy chapter 2. Because remember, deception can only take place when a lie has been told and you choose to believe the lie. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 13, it says, For Adam was first formed, then who? Then Eve, now let me just say this before we read the next verse, let me just say this. Adam being formed first speaks of marital order. You show me a home where the woman is the head and I'll show you a home that functions out of order. Headship in a marriage is gender assigned. I'm going down that road. Let me take my shades off so I can look at some of y'all in the eye. And those online as well. Headship in a marriage is gender assigned. Here's a take home statement. Here's a, this is going to be hard to swallow. Here we go. Headship is assigned, not assumed. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. Watch what it says. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is who church? Is Christ. And the head of the woman is who? Uh, the man and the head of Christ is who? 
Now see, sometimes, in, especially in the culture we live, it's like, I don't know, especially, I, I'm my own person. I'm my own. Yeah, you can be that way, but let me just say this. If you don't function in a relationship God's way, you won't get God results. Listen, spiritual headship is different from natural headship or leadership. See, a woman or a man, for that matter, can become the head of an organization. She can be a group, uh, a head of a group or even her own business owner or him too. But And because your natural qualifications and experience afford you that position, that does not mean, though, that in marriage it works the same way. In other words, your your giftedness, your education, your experience, how much money you have or don't have, or your, listen, ladies, even your spiritual maturity doesn't qualify you to be the head in a spiritual relationship. Just because you spiritually know more than your husband doesn't make you, by default, the head of the home. It doesn't work like that. And see, some of you here don't have respect for your husband because he don't know more of the Bible than you. But the problem with that is he was assigned the head by God regardless of what his spiritual condition was. Oh, Jesus, please help me. Please help me. And the moment you as a woman lose respect for that man as the lead or the head of that home, even though God put him in that position, the moment you begin to disrespect that is the moment you stop walking together in agreement. I'm about to share something real quick. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Ephesians 5.23. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So let me finish reading this because it says, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. Watch this. And Adam wasn't deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The word deceived there, the first word deceived is the word to cheat or be deluded. In other words, to believe something that's not true. Amen. The second word deceived, where it says Adam was not deceived. So the woman was deceived to the point where she believed something that wasn't true. And that's why when you look it up, it means also to cheat. Because the moment you start believing something that is not true, you will cheat. And some of you are a cheating Right now. You know why? Because you have believed a lie about your spouse and you've decided that the justification of you feeling the way you are is you're being able to step outside the relationship. But let me say this. That's not how God ordained it. And see, here's how deception works. I'm almost finished. Deception only works when a lie has been told and then you decide to believe the lie. Well, you said, Pastor, what lie? I'm talking about lies like she don't love you no more. Lies like she make more money than you, so uh, she thinks she's running this show. Listen, a lady can make more than a man, and she's happy to share that. But it's but if you if your self esteem man ain't intact, you gonna feel like that she trying to tell you what to do with them. No, it ain't that. It's just that you ain't straight. I wish first lady made a million dollars. Me and her would be going to Gucci every week. Go over and be to God. Glory. Baby, I love you. Thank you so much for blessing me today. 
So watch this, church. You can't properly cleave to your wife or spouse if you have, watch this, if you have decided to leave the word. I'm going to say that again. You can't properly cleave to your spouse if you've decided to leave the word. See, the word of God is his instruction manual for marriage. And once you decide to live outside of that successful uh, manual for marriage, watch what happens. It will be the day that your marriage is in trouble. Listen, most of the trouble that I see in relationships is someone decided to stop living and believing in a biblical relationship. And you leaving, listen, you leaving the word, I'm talking to a man right now, you leaving the word in your marriage is like Jesus decided to leave the church. I'm so tired of the church. Because the Bible says that marriage is like Jesus being married to the church. And so you leaving your relationship or you deciding to not live by the word, it's like Jesus saying, I don't want to be married to the church no more. Man, we would all be in trouble if Jesus did that, wouldn't we? So if being together is better from God's perspective, here's another question. Then why are people leaving their marriages physically or checking out emotionally? Because some of y'all know better. It's like, well, okay, I just stay with them. I just stay with them. I, I, I love them, but I ain't in love no more. And so, you know, you, you develop itching ears and eyes seeing stuff you shouldn't see. Say amen to that. And here's the thing. Once you have come out of agreement with the word, you will eventually come out of agreement with your spouse. I'm going to say that again. Once you come out of agreement with God or his word, you will eventually come out of agreement with your spouse. Here's the last point. Agreement is spiritual before it becomes physical. Everybody say agreement. It's spiritual before it's physical. Amos 3.3, 3, this is my last verse. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. I love it. It says, can two walk together except they are agreed? Listen to the New Living Translation. Can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? I love the Living Bible. For how can we walk together with your sins between us? So here's a point I want you to get. The moment... We cleave to the world's way of doing marriage is the moment we decide to leave God's way of doing marriage. And when this happens, listen, you and God first get out of agreement because it says can two walk together unless they're agreement. So once I decide to live not a biblical marriage, but a worldly marriage, once I decide to do that, then God and I can't walk together in agreement. So two things happen. Number one, you no longer walk together with God in unity when it comes to your marital relationship. And then number two, what happens, you now have to walk in difference with your spouse. Because if your spouse is living a biblical relationship and you decide to live outside of that, two of you can't walk together. And then what happens is, it's not my relationship with my spouse that's broken first. It's actually my relationship with God that's broken first. 
that threefold cord got broken. And once the, listen, once that threefold cord with God is broken, you know what's going to happen? The next thing that has to happen is there's going to be a separation because you cannot walk together unless you're in agreement. And Jesus Christ is the common bond for our relationship. And when you walk outside of him, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a struggle. And what's bad is I've seen people spiritually backslide in marriages. See, when you first got married, you had certain standards. Amen. Why are you drinking more? You was drinking. I'm talking to both people now. You was drinking before y'all got married. You know, y'all socially had some. No problem. I'm okay with that. I don't drink as first lady. First lady, I don't know if she's ever seen a drink. Y'all drank together. Or y'all was okay with the minute, with the amount each one was drinking. But now, you're supposed to be a stronger Christian. Why are you indulging more? You know why? Because you were spiritually backsliding. And now you mad at your spouse. Cause they bringing it up. You know, cause you tip it going through the tulips. Okay. How is it that you smoking weed now? Trying to hide it. Coming home, smelling funny, your wife be like, baby, you okay? Marital backsliding takes place first with God before it's manifested in the home. Jeremiah 3.14, here's the last verse. It says, oh, backsliding children. This is the Lord talking to the children of Israel. Listen to what he says. Oh, backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. You got married to the Lord before you got married to that person. Say amen to that. Now you say, well, pastor, I wasn't saved before I got married. That's fine. Now you are what we call born again. So now your reference point should not be back in the day. Your reference point now is who you are in Jesus Christ. So you say, you say, well, well, that's how I was. Well, was is spelled W-U-Z. Was. So listen, married couples, listen. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's time to turn your heart. The fact that you thought, and let me just put this out there because I ain't talked to none of y'all. Meaning like couples and stuff. I ain't talked. So when I get go down a lane and just start feeling personal, your spouse didn't talk to me. Okay? They didn't talk to me. But that's the Holy Spirit trying to find you. Amen. It's time to turn your heart. The fact that you thought in the beginning of your relationship that you were better together. Why is it now? Don't feel the same. Because now something's happening inside your heart. So here, how are we going to apply this? Here we go. Here's how we're going to apply the word today. Be real with you. So God can deal with you. 
be real with you so God can do. God, I want to cheat on this lady. She's making me mad. I'm tired of her. She ain't giving me no sex. Boy, it got real quiet. Y'all hear that? Quiet. Quiet. I've discovered there are couples not having sex three months, six months, nine months, twelve months. The devil is a lie. You got to be real with you so God can deal with you. Number two, take responsibility for your heart condition. You say, well, because if you don't, you point, 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 point. Oh, she, 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 he, 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 he. No, no, you, 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 you. You don't know what they did to me, Pastor. It don't matter what they did to you at this point because it's done. And what they did has nothing to do with how you decided to handle it. Here's number three. Ask God to restart your heart. And then number four, you need to listen to this message. Watch this. Over and over and over again until your feelings for your relationship change. So with every head bowed, every, every head bowed. Did y'all get something? I didn't beat y'all up too bad, did I? Say, Pastor, you happily married. So you ain't doing all that. It don't matter. It's good right now. And while it's good, I'm going to tell you. Because, see, it's up to me to keep it good. Amen. Man of God, you're the thermostat for your home. You set the thermostat and that determines how cold or hot it gets in your house. If it's not the temperature you want, it's time for you to get up and change the thermostat. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word today. Thank you for every relationship in this room. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that everyone here will not just hear, but will adhere to what they have heard. And I thank you for a grace. Jesus, thank you. I feel an anointing right now. Listen to me, couples. There is a grace for refreshing that's available right now. God has taken advantage of my new relationship to bring a refreshing to yours. And if you will just receive right, there's a grace for refreshing to take place right now. And Father, thank you for that grace, that refreshing to take place in every home and relationship in Jesus' name. Amen. But every head still bowed. If you die today and you're not sure you go to heaven, I want to pray for you.